Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C., a program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all across the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert. Today on our program, Alexandra McPhee, she is the Director of Government Relations for Concerned Women of America, CWA, and they have been a tremendous voice on the Hill in so many ways, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But first of all, welcome, Alexandra. Thank you for having me, Greg. Okay. The reason why I wanted to have you on the program, and like we had talked about just in prep, is that our people, you know, we have people listening all throughout the country, and I try to inform them about some of the issues that are going to be impacting our churches, our schools, our preschools, universities, and of course, the culture. And you made this presentation at one of the meetings that we were in together on the Hill, and it was about the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, and and it's kind of coming back and what mm-hmm. that's all about. So why don't you just talk us through that? Again, the the concerns that you already see on the horizon with ERA. The Equal Rights Amendment is an effort that began really around the same time as the suffrage movement. And it was one of several measures that were intended to bring more opportunities for women under the law right. than they enjoyed at the particular time when it was first considered as a proposal. The problem is it has uh, unfortunately morphed into something uh, much, uh, much worse beyond what what the purpose it was originally intended to serve. So in the 1970s, there was a revived effort, uh, even from uh, a revival, even from the early 1900s to pursue an equal rights amendment. And it got a lot of traction up until a woman named Phyllis Schlafly got involved right. and she made clear the consequences that could result from an equal rights amendment in the constitution. And the two that we're most concerned about at Concerned Women for America involve abortion and involve uh, radical gender ideology. When it comes to abortion, the equal rights amendment is uh, considered by pro-abortion groups as well as pro-life groups to be a way for abortion to become part of the constitution, to become a constitutional right. Right. And the other is uh, the gender ideology that I mentioned. The ERA makes no mention of women. It only uses the word sex. However, we have experienced in our culture a a desire to change the the meaning of um, male and female to include a spectrum of, of genders. So it is believes to be by supporters and opponents alike to be a way to codify that ideology as well into the constitution. Yeah. And I think people need to understand that there's an egalitarian movement. And and I think that's how I try to understand it. And that's why I think equality of access, that's a great thing. Uh, Equity, which is equality of outcomes, terrible thing. And the only way I think ERA, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, I think the ERA is really saying that men and women are not different. 
uh, it finally comes down to this egalitarian notion that the only reason why men and women are different is because of these societal issues, that there's no real difference between men and women. And the Christian worldview has always said co-equality, we're equal under the law, but we're different. And and so ERA, like you said, even with this radical gender ideology, is going to is going to wipe out that notion that there's something unique called a woman and there's something unique called a man and that we need to learn to appreciate each other, even as we protect each other under the law. And I think that's going to be more destructive than people can imagine. Is, is that kind of what you're seeing in this law, too? Yes. And there are two ways and I'll focus on where we see that. The first is how states have interpreted their own state Supreme Courts have interpreted equal rights amendments in their own state constitutions. And the major cases are in New Mexico and Connecticut, in which those states determined that because the state uh, health care program did not provide coverage for abortion, it was discrimination on the basis of sex because men can't have abortions. Uh, and uh, well, rather, it was men can have all medically necessary services covered under the state medical program. Got it. Uh, women cannot have abortions medically necessary, but women cannot have uh, abortion coverage under um, current provisions uh, and policies in the particular states. So that setup is unconstitutional under our state constitution because it treats men and women differently because uh, men have access to all the medically necessary services they need. Women do not. So it's a conflation of a, the medical necessity of abortion, which of course is not true, um, in, except in the very rare and tragic instance of the life of the mother being at risk. And uh, B, the um, the problem is that it create it speaks to this um, equity concept that you mentioned: uh, right. equal outcomes, not uh, equal, not equality. Well, and you then- know what. Oh, oh, and let me just jump in on that because uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, uh, we follow him on a lot of these kind of uh, public issues. And he talked about how this notion of egalitarianism was thought to be that if everyone had the exact same choices, that everyone would come out you know, proportionately the exact same way. What actually happens is if you give men and women choices, you know, in an egalitarian sense societally, they actually turn out, it maximizes the differences of men and women. And they found out that men gravitate more to these kind of things and women gravitate more to these kind of things. And it blew the minds of these social engineers because they thought, you know, again, that there weren't these biological differences. And you're, again, you're saying this would actually force us by law to become egalitarian, which is not what we want. Right. And on that point, the one uh, another topic mentioned by proponents is the idea of the gap in wages earned by uh, men and women. Right. The, um, and they use that as a justification for the Equal Rights Amendment, as if there aren't already protections in law on uh, basically getting your due for the services you provide. There right. are. And they say, well, we want to constitutionalize. Well, fine. The problem is, this, the Equal Rights Amendment is written in a way that covers much more than just that very unique and, and provision that does not circumstance uh, that probably isn't appropriate to address through a constitutional amendment. And for well, another, 
Yeah, and, but it also treats that aggregate number as if it's a fact on a particular issue. And when you actually start to dig down into the data, you find that men and, you know, again, I always tell people, folks, use your sanctified common sense. If I can hire somebody for 75 cents on a dollar and I'm making a, and my, my, you know, my ability to make money is at like one or 2% over the cost, you think I'm going to hire men? <laughs> I'm going right. to hire capable women if that is actually true. But when you dig down, it's more about the choices the yes, careers, exactly. the hours of work and all that kind of stuff. And you, you regularize exactly. those things and you don't see that gap at all. And it, it's it's a point, a great point that you make and one that proponents always skate over whenever they bring up the equal pay argument in particular because women want to be with their children when right. they have children. And that's okay. And one um, very insightful comment that uh, a witness made once before a congressional hearing about uh, the Equal Rights Amendment was the fact that why is it a problem if women want to stay home with their children and make different choices? And why are why is the nine to five, uh, eight to six uh, schedule for five days a week a, a good standard? Yeah, it's, especially it's in our, itself, and it's not. Especially when our kids, you know, again, we one of the things that I used to do because we we had ministries in New York City when I was a younger pastor and in, in, in the city. And we used to tell these guys, don't sacrifice your family for your career. I mean, mm -hmm. so that was like a unique male problem. These guys were hard drivers. They wanted to work 80 hours a week and make all this money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we kept saying, man, you know, you got to provide for your family. But man, if you do this, you could destroy everything. So we were counseling them against such nonsense. And now right. here comes the women's movement saying, why don't you both be just as foolish? Right. <laughs> and it's um, it's it's really unfortunate. But these are the the two ways in which the Equal Rights Amendment would uh, okay. pursues this this equity notion rather than equality. It seems like it's also, um, you know, because it oftentimes is proposed as this is good for women but it's it's good for one particular kind of woman you know it's so it's like it's like saying if you're a woman who wants this then this is the era is great for you but it, it kind of eliminates a whole host of women who say well that's not really what we want and and sometimes it's presented as all women want this so this is right. even bad for women not just right. bad for society correct Oh, sure. And the and frankly, there's just a, a fundamental misunderstanding of the role of, of government through something like the Equal Rights Amendment, because right. it's the way advocates have championed it. It's about giving you this, giving you that, giving you all these things from the government when really the government is supposed to the guarantees that we have are about government not interfering in our lives, right. not government guaranteeing something for us. It's it's negative promises, not uh, positive uh, in the logical sense. So um, it 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 is incongruent, um, just constitutionally speaking, as well as uh, uh, as far as po political philosophy. Yeah, we wrote a little piece, a little op-ed on our website called "It's Terrible When the Referees Play the Game." You know, and it's kind of the same thing you just talked about. This is, I mean, whatever your ideas of what women should want and women should have and all these kind of things, the worst guarantee, guarantor of that is a government that starts to guarantee some women this, other women not that, and men, right. you know, other things. They're supposed to be the referees. They're supposed to call balls and strikes, and it's supposed to be fair for everybody. And living life is supposed to be what we do with those freedoms in, in service to our neighbor. And like you just said, when government starts playing the game, it's like when a referee starts calling fouls every 30 seconds. You hate playing that game, and you don't want to watch it, right? 
that's exactly what we would see. And it'd be more than just the, um, and frankly, it would be an issue that devolves to the courts because the language is broad, which sometimes is appropriate, but in this case would be an opportunity for abuse, uh, right. given what we've seen in states like Connecticut and New Mexico, as I mentioned earlier. And it would be up to the individual uh, judge, the individual uh, federal circuit, uh, Supreme Court. And we've already seen a mess that makes. And it's not worth going back to that again for the sake of a, a euphemistically named amendment. Yeah, I like how you just said the euphemistically named amendment. And this is what our people need to understand. A lot of these things, like even the Respect for Marriage Act that we just saw on the Hill, it was anything but the respect for for traditional marriage and the institution of marriage. And same thing with like ERA, it, who can be against it? It's like saying clean air. Well, you start to say, well, we're all for, for these kinds of things. The question is, what's the government's role in these things? What's freedom's role in these things? What's choice's role? And then what's virtue? You know, what's the virtuous way to deal with these things? That's a whole nother dimension that we never talk about today. And that's really supposed to be for the churches and, and people in society to figure that out. Let me just step back for just a second and just say, folks, if you want more information on this, uh, concernedwomen.org, concernedwomen.org, and there's more information about what we're talking about. But if you'd also like to f- have more resources about, well, is this, why isn't this a government issue? I mean, what's a good role of government, the good role of the church and, and the state, those kind of things. That's Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. That's lcrlfreedom.org. That's lcrlfreedom.org. And there you're going to find, especially under the uh, resources button, you're going to find all kinds of information, resources that that talk about the role of church, the role of state, on, uh, especially when it comes to a lot of these issues. Okay, back to our discussion about the new ERA with our guest, Alexandra McPhee from Concerned Women for America. So is it because of the abortion stuff? Is that well, kind of what do you think the impetus of why this is being brought back? It's an issue that for some reason, it, it won't be let go. And I don't think it's primarily motivated by the abortion issue, although uh, historically, I'll say. Okay, um, right, right. For a long, for a while, um, supporters denied that there was any connection to abortion and denied that there would be any consequence for uh, abortion coverage or access. And it the recent development is the vocal support by advocates like Planned Parenthood and by NARAL, as well as advocates for really inserting uh, gender ideology into federal law. If you look at the um, supporters for the Equal Rights Amendment, you'll notice a lot of League of Women Voter constituencies and other, I would say, late 20th century women's groups who just have a different understanding of the role of government and the role of women. And it's one that is that it's not appropriate to pursue through a constitutional amendment. And uh, they're the ones who champion the equal pay argument, um, the access to jobs, etc., and that's well and good, but it's not going to um, turn out the way they want it to because of the power it gives to the judiciary, because of the fact that uh, you have so many dogs in the fight for abortion and for gender ideology becoming a constitutional right. And they start to change language, folks. And when they start changing the language, uh, you can't let them do that because then they win the argument because you're arguing on their terms. And when you can say something like pregnancy is now a disease, you know, treated right. for pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Who would have ever talked like that 40, 50 years ago? Pregnancy was like, wow. Mm-hmm. And even if it was an unplanned pregnancy, as they talk about that, even that was something like, yeah, but this is still an opportunity where we can show our humanity to one another. Now they talk about you should have the right to treat the disease of pregnancy. 
Well, now children, I don't care when the child's born, you think they're going to change their view of the child just because they're born? If you start to denigrate human beings, uh, Francis Schaeffer used to say, if you can classify any innocent life as not worth living, you're going to see man's inhumanity to man like you've never seen it before. And I think that's the kind of stuff that you're pointing out in these amendment pushes. You're saying it sounds good, but dig down onto this and see it's really a war against women. It's a war against the family. It's a war against children. We can be better human beings than this, right? Right. Yeah. And um, the the dialogue really has just escalated as far as the attack on the identity of uh, the idea of woman itself on right. the sanctity of life. And we've seen that in congressional hearings that have um, taken place over the past few years, really around the 2018-2019 mark. And more recently, there was a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing in the Congress this past February. Right. And um, Concerned Women for America, the organization I work for, hosted a press conference in opposition to the Equal Rights Amendment. In addition to Phyllis Schlafly, who created um, the Eagle Forum, Eagle Forum. Um, and, and really led the opposition to the Equal Rights Amendment, Concerned Women for America was started in order to respond to the supporters for the Equal Rights Amendment to make the point that they do not speak for all women. Right. And it was started by a woman named Miss Beverly LaHaye. She was a pastor's wife from California. Uh, she's still alive today and, and 94 years old and um, wow. just really an inspiration. She started Concerned Women for America in response to the Equal Rights Amendment. So it was us, uh, Independent Women's Forum, a newer group that is a, a pro-woman in so many ways and is, is not faith-based and is, does not take a position on abortion, but is, is very much like-minded on this issue of the identity of women, the dignity of women. Mm. Um, we also had a number of other groups, Family Research Council, Susan B. Anthony, and what we were doing um, was speaking out against the Equal Rights Amendment to share our concerns. And Representative Mary Miller of Illinois joined us um, and really has been a leader in the space of defending women. But we also saw during the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing um, comments by Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith of Mississippi, mm-hmm. who uh, we uh, work with often. She is a woman of deep faith. She still attends her home church back in Mississippi, and she is a champion for uh, the really um, just people who have faith and um, are are desperate for uh, that kind of representation in Congress. And that's the kind of woman she is. So um, she spoke against this, as well as the many procedural defects with the Equal Rights Amendment, which I didn't bring up before, because I'm confident they that supporters will pursue a procedurally sound Equal Rights Amendment at one point. Um, right. But there are many issues with it there as well. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, my my wife, uh, Marie Hernandez-Seltz, who I always uh, say, I say the conservative women, whether it's conservative black women, conservative Hispanic women, conservative Anglo women, uh, whatever it this is there's we've got we really believe in strong women in culture. Um, but that encompasses moms and, de- you know, moms and families, too. And Concerned Women for America has been a really great resource for her, too. She's been involved in that, and I, that's how I got connected to you all. And I actually loved you, what your organization did, not just like in this, but also with the Gorsuch hearings and things mm-hmm. like that. When when you started to see women coming out and saying he's anti-woman when he was anything but that, you know, right. and these 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 judges who are actually pro-family, pro-woman, uh, pro-life, man, th- 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 you can't be any more pro-woman than that. Um, so again, you got without you standing up for him, 
I don't think he he gets uh, nom. I don't think he. I think he backs away from the nomination. And so again, kudos to the organization for strong women standing up because I've seen your voice at work on the hill. Well, you're so gracious to bring that up because Concerned Women for America is a grassroots organization, and we were involved with the confirmations of uh, Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Barrett and. It, uh, Sheldon well, actually, it was Kav- I, actually, I, I think I'm wrong. It was the Kavanaugh hearings. I'm sorry. Oh, right. I was thinking we, of we Gorsuch. We were involved no. with uh, Mr. Gorsuch's uh, yes. nomination fight. So the um, there's a senator from Rhode Island who sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he often talks about uh, right wing dark money and uh, say what you will say what he will about uh, his 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 vast conspiracy. It exists in equal uh, in equal uh, gravity on the left, but. At any rate, uh, the fact of the matter is there's just grassroots support for this pro-family policy for a judiciary that is uh, adherent to the Constitution uh, and not to their personal policy preferences. So we were able to um, uh, really all we do is serve as a conduit for the passion of the grassroots and channel that towards important decisions like Supreme Court nominations like opposition to the Equal Rights Amendment, um, like the press conference we had when in late February when there was that Equal Rights Amendment hearing. Now, we don't expect it to come up for a few weeks in the Senate uh, where it's most likely to receive consideration, but we do expect it to come up. Um, Senator Schumer made a promise to advocates for that to happen. And he said um, before April, but realistically, it, it may be later on in the spring, although we're always vigilant um advocates are also pursuing a strategy in the u.s house of representatives to um, not pass any new law or measure but certainly to elevate the profile of the equal rights amendment um which we would oppose it's it's a it's a procedural measure known as a discharge petition and that's a bit in the weeds but the point is um there will be a push uh, there continues to be a push in both chambers and at the state level the uh, there are certain states that have recently ratified quote unquote the equal rights amendment for various procedural reasons we disagree with that um, but those states are Virginia Illinois um, Nevada there there will continue to be a push we expect so I would not be surprised if your listeners uh, do hear about that uh, regardless of whether their state has been involved early in the 70s or more recently today um, it's still a topic that um, many legislators use to uh, push a, a left, uh, uh, philosophically left platform. Yeah, I call it secular uh, puritanism, secular pietist. It's not even liberal versus conservative. It's leftist and anti. And so, again, folks, um, you need to be aware of what all this is about. And one of the hard things about our position is that we talk about equal access, getting everybody to the same starting line. And so someone will say, well, if you don't believe in the ERA, what's your policy? And the policy is your freedom. (laughs) You know, It doesn't sound as sexy to say your freedom. You can do what you've been gifted and empowered to do. Well, what's the government program to do that? Well, no, you don't want a government program to do that. It'll destroy your freedom. It'll destroy these these wonderful things. So sometimes it sounds like we're just against things. No, we're for you. And and I think that's the positive way to go forward on this. Any, uh, where can they go for more information on this, Alexandra? Well, you can go to concernedwomen.org to learn about our involvement in the issue. And as I mentioned, there are other groups who are leading this fight, Eagle Forum, Independent Women's Forum, Family Research Council, uh, Susan B. Anthony, um, Students for Life. All of these groups are very much involved. Um, and of course, uh, Lutheran the- Center for Religious Liberty is <laughs> with you, so you can put us on that list. Right. 
That's right. Yeah. And um, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, too. Uh, there are several faiths, um, uh, several denominations that have concerns about this. And um, we are uh, certainly not alone. And, and neither are you if you right. ever have to take a stand against this. Well, folks, this is what we do on the Hill. We gather with people uh, on uh, other organizations like CWA and, and all the folks that focus on the family and the guys that we work with all the time. Um, but I want you to know that all of us together are fighting for your fundamental uh, rights of of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Why? So that you can live virtuous lives without government coercion. And that's really the end goal of this. Uh, Alexander, thank you so much for taking time to share with us what's coming with this and how we can be a part of uh, the way forward through it. Thank you, Greg. For more information about her work, that's concernedwomen.org. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contained there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Or check out our weekly Word from the Center opinion piece every Friday at facebook.com forward slash lcrlfreedom. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 